Right now, what he wanted was the fear to go away. Except fear wasn't quite the right word for it. When you were afraid, it was of something specific, like being told off. But what he was feeling was more like a bird that didn't have anywhere to land. Ever since this morning, there had just been the sensation that something bad was going to happen, but he wasn't sure what. But if Jake was certain of one thing right now, it was that he didn't want Daddy to go out tonight. And hello and welcome to Book Club. Hello, yes, this is Book Club episode two. We're going to be discussing The Whisper Man by Alex North. I am Robbie. I am Lisa. And, um, yeah. Exciting times. Yeah, we started this podcast with one of my favourite passages um, quite late on in the novel when mm-hmm. little Jake is starting to get a bit nervous. Oh, but it was such a good book. I wasn't expecting to like it this much. Yeah, yeah, I was quite surprised because I don't normally like sort of like, it sounds really bad, but I don't like adult genres. Like I don't like, you know, like I like (laughs) teenagers running around solving mysteries. So it was quite weird to have that whole sort of adult perspective of of what was going on, but then mixed well with Jake's perspective. That was really clever. Yeah, I, I really liked how it shifted from persons to person. So it was definitely like the, if we want to get very technical about it, it was the omniscient narrator right mm-hmm, yeah no, but I loved that because I think my one of my favorite parts of the novel was getting Amanda's perspective yeah so the the police the the detective in charge of the case I, I just love how it, we had these sort of personal situations with um Jake and Tom yes intercut with Amanda's sort of very sterile police approach to solving the case I, I enjoyed yeah. that a lot. And, like, because you had Jake and Tom, and then you had Amanda and Pete, and those two were, like, they were both kind of, like, pairs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were partners in their own rights. Yeah. So, I have a couple of questions from listeners. We have a lot from our friend Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. And then we have a couple more from our other listeners. So, let's get to it. Yes. So Bring on the questions. From- Sorry, <laughs> too excited. I know. I always love book club. Um, so our first one comes from Jenna. How did you find the portrayal of Jake, particularly the chapters from his point of view? Jake is seven years old, yet his chapters and his actions all speak to a maturity and cognitive thought process I just don't think he'd have. Something about how Jake was written bumped me out of suspension of disbelief. What do you think? Okay, so this was from Jenna. Yes. Okay, fair play, Jenna. I think they. I think it was sort of explained um, when they he explained that um, the the mum. I've forgotten what her name was. Um, Rebecca. Um, Rebecca. Rebecca. Um, when Rebecca and Tom sort of come up with an agreement that they'll they'll never talk to him like a child. They'll always talk to him like an adult, and if he doesn't yeah. understand what they're saying, they'll explain to him what they mean. Um, but I do think. At some points, you're a bit like it. Like I get the explanations there, but it's still quite difficult to think of the seven-year-old child having that sort of mentality. But I do think um, the grout, like the, there was the foundation there of this child, is sort of a what's off. the word? 
yeah, like he's a bit of a weird kid, which is fine. But um, yeah. but they they definitely um, I think it it worked because I think the the final scenes um, when he's in the bedroom trying to yes. escape France or not escape but sort of trick Francis into not killing him. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have been able to do that without that sort of adult mentality of right. I need to pretend right now. Well, it was also his mother, you know, whether this was a psyche or not, or a true ghost. Um, yeah. She coached him through it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, he had a very childish response, which was to cry and ask for dad. And she was like, no, you have to do this. No, you have to do this. And I think, at least in that situation, it was very survival, which you don't always act how you expect you would act in a situation where your life is being threatened. Yeah, and whether it is a ghost of his mother or whether it is in his head where he's sort of conjured a sort of visible version of her to replace the grief that he would have to feel by admitting that she had died. Mm. Um, either way, it still makes sense that he would have those have that thought process of what would mum do. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 did, I really liked it, especially when I realised that it was his mum. I was like, <gasps> it was so good. Yeah, and I kind of went through like, especially after the first ones, because I did find it, I wouldn't say I found it off-putting that he had such an adult mentality. I just kind of assumed that he was either, like, A, like, in paranormal situations, it always seems like a a kid is either, like, overly mature or they're, like, way not mature enough to deal with the situation they're put in. Yeah. So I assumed it was either a bit of a trope or that he probably had, like, a little bit of, Asperger's because that was kind of like a very Sheldon Cooper kind of mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of what I was assuming. A very good reading from Ms. Lisa G. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it took me out of my suspension of disbelief, but I mean everyone's gonna read it different ways. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think it's definitely gonna be different. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I never at any point went well, this isn't real, like, this could never happen. But I did think, this child is so mature. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's so interesting. But then I have my niece who's quite like that because she was raised by me and my brother who sort of forgot to treat her like a child. Yeah. So my niece is very much like, she'll come out with some random sentence and I'll be like, how old are you again? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And I kind of loved how that, how the, the little girl got solved by, what's the dad's name? Tom. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. I love how the, the whole puzzle of the little girl got solved by Tom, but it doesn't explain any of the rest of the paranormal activity going on in the book. What other paranormal activity? Well, like the creepy fingers through the mailbox and... I thought that was Francis. boy in the floor and... I thought that was Francis all along. Well, they never specified if that was actually Francis. Hmm. Which it's like, that's the assumption we're supposed to make. But I don't know if we ever got like a description of Francis that describes like if he was creepy and pale. Because it did say that it was like creepy, long, thin, white fingers. Yeah, that was a really dark passage. So that really freaked me out. Yeah. I mean, I think I had hyped that bit up in my head because I had gotten a warning from a friend. Because I was like, I'm going to be driving. I don't want to cause an accident. What's the scariest (laughs) bit in the book? And then I read it. And then I was like, okay. 
I think I was quite lucky because I swapped in between audiobook and reading it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I that passage I had narrated to me by the wonderful Christopher Eccleston, and his yes. like his his voice of the, open the door. Oh, it's so creepy. It was so creepy. Yes. Oh my gosh, I think the the whole interaction with the boy on the floor freaked me out most. So I guess yeah. I guess this is just the bit where we talk about what scared us most, since this is a horror thriller novel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The boy in the floor bit freaked me out the most, and just the "I want you to be scared." Yeah, I think that bit was the scariest part for me as well. Um, although, do you know what? It's such a small bit, but do you know what really freaked me out? Hmm. See when the dad is out for drinks with Karen. Yeah, and, and his phone rings, and yeah. then it cuts to uh, Pete and Jake in the in the house, and Jake mm-hmm. has a has a. Um, a nightmare so Pete goes up and speaks to him and then he's like call my dad he won't mind so he calls the dad mm-hmm. and then he hangs up because he hears the door open and I'm like well that's oh, not yeah. fucking Tom and I, the yeah. entire time I was like <laughs> <laughs> like just panicking for this person and I was oh it, that I think that bit because it that bit wasn't where I could be like oh spooky ghosts not real but scary that bit I was like imagine if that actually happened like, yeah. imagine if I was in the living room and I heard the door open and I went, oh, hey, Amy. And it wasn't Amy. Like, that yeah. would scare the shit out of me. That would be terrifying. Yeah. Um. So that does lead me to the question, like, and this is something that Jenna asked as well. Pete's death. Did he die well? Do you think it was justified? Do you, how do, how do you feel about that? Because Jenna said that, his character felt cut off to me, stymied at the cusp of his development. I honestly agree. I think he needed one or two more scenes of kind of have, finishing his arc. Okay. I agree with where you're going. But part <laughs> of me, the cynical part of me is like, we don't always get that. Yeah, no, that that was like, my exact, like, next thought. But I wanted yeah. to see if you agreed with me. <laughs> no, like, the realist in me is that, like, we don't always get the opportunity to to fix things. And I think that's the most heartbreaking part of Pete's story, is that yeah. he was so close to making things right with his son again. Like, this was, what, one of the first times that he'd seen his grandson properly? Yeah, it was his, yeah, it was his first time actually and, getting to take care of him. And, and like, Jake didn't even, even know he was his granddad. Tom hadn't been, like fixed yeah. it was like a step of trust yeah like jake didn't even know he was his granddad yeah like they hadn't got to that yet and he died essentially probably trying to protect jake yeah and that that was really heartbreaking for me especially when because you don't know if he's dead he's in icu and yeah. then you get that that chapter of him and his monologue and then it cuts to the next episode where amanda gets a phone call and i was like oh no like that that was heartbreaking to me it was super heartbreaking because but... in the in in real in the real world we would all love that we got that happy ending of being able to fix it with you you know and even if he'd fixed it with his son and gotten to know his grandson and then died that would yeah. have been a sort of um like a noble sort of almost like worthy end whereas this was just meaningless which i think yeah. sort of adds to the point of it and it was, it's unintentionally cruel in a very intentional way, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you no, know, totally. 
And it kind of is just like, that's how this whole book is. Like, the teacher doesn't mean to be cruel to Jake by putting him on amber or red, right? Like, like she's obviously not getting the full story of what's going on with Jake because she trusts the kids in class. Like, there's, and like how Karen is unintentionally cruel by not revealing she's a reporter. Her name's Karen, right? It's definitely Karen. Okay. Just wanted to check. I'm just going to double check real quick. Yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely Karen. Definitely Karen. I knew it was Karen, because I loved her. I don't know why, I just loved her. As soon as I found out she was a reporter, I just thought of um, uh, Anna Torv's character in Secret City, and I was like, yes, a queen. (laughs) Yeah, no, I loved her character, but like the fact that she didn't reveal that she was a reporter well all throughout that, and it's also like, just the theme of redemption, like the fact that she didn't write the pit, like write the whole news article on that, and like yeah. she's trying to prove that. Oh, I'm not like how you expect me to be. Yeah, but I also think like she's quite right in that she didn't really give him a choice, a chance. And even when she did have an opportunity to talk, the last thing you want to hear when you're spilling your guts out is, "I should probably tell you, I am a reporter." Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and suddenly you clam up on this nothing. particular subject. Like. Yeah, like suddenly everything you need to to say doesn't come out. And I think she, you know, I think rightly she was doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously he was hurt, but she gave him time and then came out and said, by the way, I won't publish anything what you said, but you needed to say it. And the last thing you needed me yeah. to say at that time was I'm a reporter. Yeah. No, I really loved Karen. She was great. And I loved that, like in the final scene when Amanda arrives, Amanda's just on top of Francis, like holding him down. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I loved her. Because the entire time when that was happening and he got stabbed, I was like, Amanda, Amanda, get in there. No, not Amanda. Karen, Karen, get in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was so stressful. It was very good. Yeah, no, it was that whole like last bit. It went by so quickly, but it was all just it was very rewarding for sure. Yeah. And I think because that was I was reading the book. I was reading like the physical copy at that point. And I was Mm -hmm. um, it was when Karen was. Um, Karen and Jay, Karen and Tom were planning drinks, and they were on their way to Francis's old. They found Francis, um, and they were going to find his old apartment, which turned it up empty. But I was like, "There's only a hundred pages left. Like shit is about to hit the fan. Like I don't know how it's gonna <laughs> hit the fan, but it's gonna hit the fan because this book's gonna end soon." And then it did hit the fan in the most satisfactory way, and I was like, "Yes." It was great. It was so good. Speaking of Karen, we have a question from Matt. Matt asks, Tom and Karen forge a friendship, then romantic relationship in the midst of very adverse circumstances. Do you think this will affect their relationship going forth? Hmm. Yes. Matt, you (laughs) appear to be a very negative person. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta hope that love conquers all. Um, I think it I, I could. I think it will affect them, but in a, in a positive way because they've yeah. been through this whole entire situation. Like, but then she he might feel like indebted because she technically saved him. I don't think that would be the situation, but maybe. I think it was more of just like a trial by fire. Yeah, do you know what I absolutely loved? is hmm. when Karen was like, you can stay at mine. And Amanda was like, I don't have time for the back and forth. 
And so she's just like, excellent, here's my card. And I was like, yes, Amanda, <laughs> secret matchmaker. Like, <laughs> Go Amanda, another point for her. Exactly. Oh, I just, I love, honestly, all of the complex female characters in this book, I loved. Yes, I just wish they actually had gotten to talk to each other, really. <laughs> like, oh, that would have been, imagine like Amanda and Karen just joining up to stop the whisper. Yes. This because is the fan I'm fiction sure that I need. Because I'm pretty sure this book doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Probably not. Probably not. I'm pretty sure. But we still like it anyways. <laughs> I still love it. I still love it. And for those who don't know, the Bechdel test has three components that a piece of media has to, one, have two female characters. We'll pass that two, one. Two, have them in a conversation together. No. And three, have that conversation be about something other than a man. Oh, okay, no, because they're definitely talking about um, about Tom. Yeah. Simple test. You'd be surprised what doesn't pass. <laughs> All right, speaking of side characters. So as much as I love Karen, she is not a primary character. Well, she kind of is. Kind of isn't. She's a secondary character. She definitely steps up in the second half. Norman Collins. What is his role in the story? I don't remember who that is. Ravi. <laughs> Norman Collins? Yeah. Who's he again? He's the very well-dressed man who tries to, who fiddles around in the garage with the garage lock. Oh, yes. With the very strange hobby. Why have I blocked out, like, everything about him? <laughs> because he's a creepy little man. What does he do? I remember, like, the first bit where he's, like, trying to get in and then he asks to see the house. Um. So he... He basically is the reason why Tom investigated the garage and found the body because yeah. his whole thing is he likes to collect memorabilia of serial killers. It's not Rebecca's dad, is it? That would be fucking weird. No. No, no, no. Because he used to he live in the house like, and so did she. was just like a serial killer fanatic. Oh. He's the one that originally got arrested for the kidnapping of the original of Neil Spencer. Oh. Um. I don't remember any of this. I might have fallen asleep listening to my audiobook. Robbie. I remember th- I remember him finding the body in the garage. Yeah. So apparently we don't think much of Norman Collins. I j- yeah, no, like from what I can remember, he seems like um what's that word when you use something just to create momentum in the story? Oh, mhm. Like he literally don't know what just the word for that is, but he just like pushed the main character to to investigate the garage and find the body. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was essentially his role in the whole book, and he kind of he also led them to the suspects because he had gone to lo- look at the body, mm-hmm. and he was like, "There was other people there," and when there was other people there. I no longer felt comfortable with it. And I'm like, you shouldn't have been comfortable with the whole situation in the first place, but... Yeah. <laughs> but all right. It's just weird. Yeah, so what do you think of his hobby, asks our listener, Sharon. What, but like serial killer fanat- yeah, fanaticism? Yeah, like, well, collecting ser- serial killer memorabilia. He has a unique hobby. I mean, that's a bit dark. I was going to say, like, that's literally every white woman at the moment. With all these serial killer documentaries, but I don't think any of them actually go around stealing some of their stuff. No, and they wouldn't go around trying to like 
Well, first of all, finds the bodies. And then second of all, not informing police about them. Yeah, no, that's quite dark. That's quite dark. But I also see the jump. Like, I totally get it. Like, I bet there are some women out there that would be like, I want Jeffrey Dahmer's boxers. Do you know what I mean? Ew. Like, But, like, you say, ooh, but you know that there's women out there that are thinking it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's not... There's probably dudes out there, too. I mean, true. Like, <laughs> I've seen pictures of them. Like, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't fancy Jeffrey Dahmer. It is, it, yeah, no, it's it's like a weird sort of surreal step from what we know as the norm of obsession with serial killers to then collecting memorabilia. Yeah, so, next well, question. What, no, what? what did you think of his hobby? I said he was a creepy little man, and that kind of... Sums it up, your answer. Okay. Sums it up, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair play. All right, our next question comes from Anthony. Hello, Anthony. Why did Frank Carter write a letter telling Amanda to thank Pete at the end? My only guess is that it was for delivering his son, Francis, to him in jail, even though it technically wasn't Pete who found slash arrested him. Um, I agree. I do think that is why. Yep. That's a quick I question. Do, yeah, a quick <laughs> question. I'm pretty sure that was why. Um... Because it wouldn't have been for solving the case. Because I don't think Frank Carter really gave a damn about whether or not... He was caught. Yeah. Like, especially with the last boy. He had intentionally kept the secret of where he put the body yeah. for all those years. And he made sure everything was super cryptic. Yeah, and he My definitely... My question is... Oh, yeah. How would he have known all of that from prison? Um, like enough to give clues but then like um like from the last chapter was the last chapter when we heard about francis's time in jail yeah the guards are wrapped around frank's finger i don't think it's implausible that he could have gotten information from the outside true and he is like the king of prison yeah which is terrifying, because he's in there for killing children. Yep. Usually I feel like they don't like that. Like no, he would normally children. be the person that gets, like, murdered, shanked in yep. their sleep. Yeah, I know prison words. <laughs> I've Ron watched Bad Girls. Words. Say one more. <laughs> um, 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 <laughs> wait, no, I know it. Uh, where they buy their shop, the commissary. Ha ha! Ha ha! Fuck you! <laughs> Honestly, I was expecting you to just be like, shiv, shank, toilet wine. I don't know. Toilet wine? Yeah. Hooch. They drink a lot of hooch. Yep. <sighs> so I was just having a nice cool glass of <laughs> iron, bro. So how did you feel about them, about Alex North mixing true crime, quote unquote true crime, like crime thriller with the paranormal and and how he did it? I liked it. I liked it only because I think you're left at the end with a sort of question of, was it actually ghost? Was it actually paranormal? Or was it the psyche of this young boy imagining yeah. his, his mother? Because he had pictures of his mum. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like there has to be some of it being real because there would have been no way of him knowing about the boy on the floor. Unless it was Francis talking to him. Because that's like this, the... the, the um, True. Like they even said in the 
and like the previous case, the whisper man would talk to them through their window. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's gross. And that's why I just assumed at the, the fingers in the door was Francis. Okay. Because it was like total whisper man criteria of yeah. opening the letterbox and come play with me. <laughs> Ooh, Robbie. <laughs> Giving me goosebumps in the bad way. Like oh. <laughs> Usually they're in a good way. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, I really liked it in that it sort of... Because it, it was quite an unsettling mix of paranormal and then true... Like, not true crime, but, like, crime thriller. It was just enough paranormal to, like, keep things... To keep questioning things, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I did appreciate that because it kept me on my toes more than I would have with... Because otherwise it would have just been kind of like a whodunit, almost. Yeah. The bit that gets me is when he hears somebody walking in... in uh, Jake's bedroom when Jake's in the living room. Yeah. Like, does that mean Francis was in the house? Oh. It might have. Which is terrifying. Yeah. I did like the little girl and how she. Like, she did appear to Tom, though. When? When Jake was. Um, when the fingers in the mailbox. Because Tom said he saw something, he saw a figure that he thought was Jake, but with the hair swept to the side, at the foot of his bed swaying. Oh, yeah. So I assumed that was the little girl, and he also saw the little girl when he was out with Karen. But you know what, they're both pretty fucked up about the mum's death, so I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if he was seen. Because that can't be the first time he's seen a picture of his wife as a baby, or as a young kiddo. Well, no, but it was so specific with the hair swept to the side, right? That that's what I mean photograph. is so like he's but he's probably like imagining it I don't know I don't know I just I I don't know I don't <laughs> know I don't know Alex North if you listen to this explain explain <laughs> yourself is it a ghost is it not is it in his head or is it in is it both in their heads oh my god are they so close as father and son that they're sharing the same vision of their dead mother Robbie well, I think I that's the point of the whole thing. It's to make you question it all. I don't like the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, this question comes from Ash. Did you in any way predict who the new Whisper Man was? Did you get any hint of something being off with George when he was first mentioned? I don't remember when George was first mentioned. I remember so when George no. was first, first mentioned, um, he had just joined, Jake had just joined the school and he said he had a teacher and he had a nice, um, <clears throat> a nice teacher assistant who saw him talking to the little girl and that's when the class laughed at him outside. But uh, no, I had no inclination, no inclination. And I think yeah, that's... Yeah, I think th- it was such a minor little detail I forgot about George. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But I think that's such a good way of doing it because you 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 had no clue but then as soon as it as soon as um as soon as jake recognizes him you're like who is it who could it be and then and then you you find out it's george and you're like oh it's the guy from the school (laughs) a direct quote from me (laughs) (laughs) oh to be in the room while robbie's reading oh poor amy had to deal with all of this yesterday it was not good (laughs) 
So, but did you per- try and predict who the, whisp- who the new Whisper Man was? No, not at all. No, I did, but like, there was no good suspect to me. No, that's what I mean. It's like, at no point was it sort of like, questioned who it could have been. Yeah. Like, there was no... Like, I don't think that was the point of the book. No, I don't think it was either. Because that whole, like, once Jake got kidnapped, everything kind of went very quickly. Yeah, like, as soon as he was kidnapped, you knew who it was. Like, there was no who done it, And I think that was one of the cleverest parts of the book. Yeah. Because that's usually the biggest part, right? Mm-hmm. Who has Says it? Says the girl who doesn't typically read this genre. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is kind of short. Do you have any questions? For me, Robbie, I've been doing all of the question leading. I don't have any questions. Um, there, one of my one of the things that I keep thinking about is there was a lot of emphasis on the fact that their house was scary. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on the that? The town creepy house. Yeah, because from the description, it didn't sound particularly creepy. I think. Well, I mean, the fact that they said it kind of looked like it had a face, in that it kind of just kind of. I just assumed, like, a little bit of a lopsided house. Yeah. Like, maybe a little old, a little rickety. I don't know. That stuff seems so par for the chorus over on your side of the... <laughs> we, yeah, we have a lot of old, rickety houses. So, like, to me, I yeah. think, that house sounds delightful. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know. I just kind of assumed, like, an old-style English cottage. I didn't Fair. think it would be particularly creepy, aside from the fact that I think everything old is creepy because it's probably haunted. <laughs> Fair. One of the reasons I didn't want to read this book, like as the first thing in my new apartment, because I was like, I'm gonna assume it's haunted. <laughs> now you've just got voices in your vents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but those aren't scary; those are annoying. This, this is when you find out the flat below you's empty. Met her. Oh, is she nice? She seems like it. Hmm. Sorry, we're digressing. That's for we are doing fine, not book club. <laughs> <laughs> separate podcast this is book club so yeah i have one last question from jenna jenna asks we read fiction for many reasons what did you gain lose and or learn from reading this novel oh wow jenna's hitting us with the big guns i know did we learn lose or what was it learn lose or gain hmm I think I gained an appreciation for the genre for sure. Just because I was so apprehensive about reading anything horror or thriller. That was all I was going to say. You go. Um, I think I agree with you. I think I, so like as I said earlier, I don't normally read this sort of fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I sort of, A, learned that I can quite like it when it's written well. Because Alex yep. North has written a very well, no- has got a very well written novel. Yes. <clears throat> but I also think I, I learned as a writer that it's quite interesting to blend genres, like the ghost thriller thing. Yeah. I really liked that. Um, and I genuinely think it's something that I'm probably going to experiment with in my work in progress. I love because, that. Uh, what did I lose? Not a lot. Not a lot. Some sleep, I, mean, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of sleep. But mm-hmm. you know what? also gained several hours of just listening to Christopher Eccleston's beautiful voice. And unless he's pretending to be <clears throat> Francis. I want yep, yep. to scare you. No, I'm not a fan <laughs> of that bit, but 
no. But I think that did help, like, comfort me through the scarier parts, because I was like, it's the doctor! (laughs) (laughs) For one season, okay? He was my first doctor, okay? He was my first doctor, too. So I find that very Actually, Actually, I have to admit, he wasn't my first doctor. (gasps) My first doctor was David Tennant. I watched um, New Earth. And then I went oh. back. I loved it so much. I went back and got the DVDs of season nice. of the two thousand and five season one. Yeah, I started with Christopher Eccleston. I was just like, yes, love this this gruff old man in a well. He wasn't. He's not old, but in a leather <laughs> jacket. Yeah. Oh loved Jesus! It. I have fucked so, my left hand. Oh dear, why? Because I've not been doing my exercises, and now it's just like constant throbbing, sharp pains. Robbie! And they've just rescheduled my appointment until July, so that's fun. Well, you gotta be very di- diligent on your uh I know, I'm gonna have to thing. start setting timers again. I was just gonna ask some, like, of the more generic kind of questions, like, who's your favourite character? Mm. Already touched on that. Karen was my fave. I think I agree. Karen was my favourite, too. Followed by Pete, I think, because he was Pete. the most complex in my eyes. Yes. Yes, I did enjoy Pete as a character. Yeah. Um, what was your favourite scene? Favourite scene? It has to be that bit where the Pete is... He's on the phone and then he hangs up because he thinks Tom's arrived home again. But we know he hasn't and I'm like... <laughs> yeah, I think the whole rush out. to find that Jake was missing was probably my favourite bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you feel about the ending? I liked it. I thought it worked quite well. I think it worked quite well. I I almost get too suspicious when things get wrapped up a little too perfectly, so I am glad that it left things wanting. Like, he didn't get that kiss with Karen. And yeah. Pete did die, and it wasn't a very satisfying death. Yeah. Like, it, it was, was a very real missing. conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that. Um... Do you have any other generic questions? <laughs> I don't, I'm afraid. I don't. Um, what do you think was the big lesson of this book, if there was one? Um, or the big message? The big message would be... Oh, I don't like even listen know. listen to your kids? I don't know. I don't even think it'd be listen to your kids, because he didn't actually say that much. Like. Yeah, that's true. I think the important thing is that Tom, uh, every time, was asking Jake, but Jake was too scared to tell him. And I think there's only so much, you know, like, kids have to be able to trust adults. And and the problem with growing up is that most of the time we do not. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't think this book has a lesson. I think it's just such a realistic portrayal of what, what, you know, worst case scenario of what could happen. Yeah. Like, they do everything right. He gets a babysitter. It's literally a Mm -hmm. police officer. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, both a relative and a member of the force. Like, yeah, like there's only so much you can do. Um, I just really liked it. I thought it was a good, a good story. Yeah. So, how many stars would you give it out of five? Out of five, four probably. I would say four and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, four and a half. Nice. Yeah. And now. Oh. The reveal. The reveal. So, thank you, Alex North. You wrote a good book. Oh, and we thoroughly enjoyed reading this during quarantine. Yes. (laughs) It was a 
Good distraction. <laughs> it was. So what's our next quarantine novel for April 2020? Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Hey, I this... hope I said your name right. <laughs> oh, she's probably not going to listen to this. Um, I have had this in my to-be-read pile for a while, and I'm very excited. Did you say it was a listener book? A listener It was, suggestion? yeah. It was a listener suggestion, and it was just like, it's one that I've heard a lot of good things about, and I was like, we need to keep switching up these genres. Can't we get, do. Can't get a, in stuck in one. <laughs> I'm super excited, because, yeah, as I say, it's been on my to-be-read pile for a while, and a listener suggestion, so I don't even feel bad that we're doing it for a book club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So... But thank you for all of your other recommendations. Um, we yes. do have a list. So if one month we don't get many recommendations, we'll still be able to pick some out. Um, yes, thank you, Jennifer, for the suggestion. It was the perfect push in the right direction that we needed. Yes. <laughs> to make yeah, the decision. Because we like to genre mix it up. Yes. Not a word, but... <laughs> <laughs> I hope no one from the master's degree I got accepted for hears that. <laughs> Sorry, I think I forgot to say on the podcast yesterday that I got accepted for my master's degree. I know, I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so off to get a master's in public and digital humanities if the world gets back to normal. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to reading our next our next book next month. I am I'm so excited to read this book. This is one of those yeah. books that I've put off reading because I've had book club books to read. <laughs> so <laughs> well, now I'm like, yes! No reason to keep reading it. <laughs> no, no reason to stop now. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening and joining in on our book club. If you have a book to suggest, you can email us at wearedoingfine at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you want to join the discussion on our social media, we've got... Twitter at WDFcast or Instagram at We Are Doing Fine. Feel free to slide into those DMs or just comment on any of our posts. We also have a Facebook group for us to have some discussion. Yeah, uh, We Are Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. You can request to join. Um, anyone can join. It's just private so that we don't fill up your timeline with shite. I think that's everything for it. Yeah, so the only thing left to say is until next month, Keep, Keep reading, reading fine. fine. <laughs> hey. <laughs>